right. If you have your Bibles this morning, can we turn to the book of Matthew, please? Matthew chapter number 3. I'm honored that your pastor invited me to come. I don't know him very well. I've met him, but I don't know him very well. But Brother Jim and I have known each other for several years now, so... And I really appreciate him, and I appreciate being invited to come and preach for you. I will admit that I'm about as nervous as I can be. Amen. Always that way when you come to a new church. So as my custom, I'm going to tell you a funny this morning that helps me relax, all right? said, working people frequently ask retired people what they do to make their days interesting. I went to the store the other day. I was only in there for about five minutes. When I came out, there was a city cop riding out a parking ticket. I went up to him and said, Man, come on. Give a senior a break. He ignored me and continued riding the ticket. I called him a name. He glared at me and started riding another ticket for having worn tires. So I called him a worse name. He finished the second ticket put it on the windshield with the first. Then he started riding a third ticket. This went on for about 20 minutes. The more I abused him, the more tickets he wrote. I didn't care. My car was parked around the corner. And this one had a Biden 2020 bumper sticker on it. I try to have a little fun each day now that I'm retired. I thought that was pretty good. Many years ago, I was in Florida and I was reading the paper, and this story was in it. Said this lady came out from shopping, said, found four men in her car. Elderly lady, she dropped her shopping bags, pulled a large handgun, and said, Get out of my car. Said the man didn't wait for a second opportunity. They immediately got out and started running. She grabbed her bags, put them in the back seat of the car, sat down, and she was so overwhelmed that she was having trouble getting the key in the ignition. In a few minutes, she realized why. She found her own car parked several spaces away where she drove to the nearest police station where there were four men as she was telling the death sergeant. She said there were four men reporting a carjacking by a mad elderly woman with white hair and thick glasses. <laughs> uh, I believe you ought to laugh every chance you get because you will cry enough going through this world. Amen. All right, Matthew chapter number three this morning, and I want to read just a couple of verses and preach what I believe the Lord's laid upon my heart for today. Verse number 16. And Jesus, when he was baptized, went up straightway out of the water. And lo, the heavens were opened unto him. And he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting upon him. And lo, a voice from heaven saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I'm interested in that phrase where he addresses them by saying, This is my beloved Son, in whom I am well pleased. And I want to preach on this subject today with the help of the Lord, on how would God introduce you. Dear Heavenly Father, we thank you now 
<clears throat> for the opportunity to be in your house. I do pray, Lord, that you'd touch my throat now. I pray that you'd give me great liberty to preach. Lord, take me as an instrument in, this, in your hand this morning and use me for your honor and for your glory. God, I pray that you'd give me clearness of thought and utterance of speech. And Lord, we'll give you all the glory and honor and praise in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, often we are introduced uh, to people. Uh, the two Corys introduced themselves this morning. Uh, I, I learned something very quickly about them. I don't believe either one of them saved. I do believe they're safe. They have never reached the age of accountability. Amen. But many of you introduced yourself and gave me your name. Just don't expect me to remember all of them. But uh, often we will introduce people, this is my father, this is my son or daughter, uh, this is my friend, uh, this is my best friend, uh, this is somebody I work with. So there are many introductions that can be given. But I began to think about it. The Lord here at the start of Jesus' earthly ministry, uh, when John baptizes him, when he comes up out of the water, the Lord God himself introduces him as his beloved son in whom he is well pleased. So I began to think about how God introduced some people in the Bible. In Genesis chapter number 12 and verse number 1, said, Now the Lord had said unto Abraham, Get thee out of thy country, and from thy kindred, from thy father's house, unto a land that I will show thee. And I will make of thee a great nation, and I will bless thee, and make thy name great, and thou shalt be a blessing. And I will bless them that bless thee, and curse him that curseth thee, and in thee will all the families of the earth be blessed. So Abraham departed as the Lord had spoken unto him. Now, I still believe verse number 3 today. I believe God blesses them that blesses Israel and curses them that curse Israel. Amen. Every time America does something against Israel, disaster strikes here. Amen. But as God is introducing Abraham, I believe that he could say some things about Abraham. First of all, I believe he could say, he believes everything I say. Here's what it said in James 2.23. And the scripture was fulfilled which saith Abraham believed God, and it was imputed unto him for righteousness, and he was called the friend of God. Uh, to believe, uh, you know, it, it's a funny thing to me. I, I know some people that would rather climb a pole to tell you a lie than to stand on the ground and tell you the truth. Amen. You can't believe nothing that comes out of their mouth. Uh, and, and we're saying this morning, uh, but I, I, I'm afraid that there's a lot of people in church like that. We don't really believe, we say we do, but we don't really believe that the Lord could come back today. You understand what I'm saying? We don't really believe everything He tells us in this Bible. I was talking to a guy the other day, he's one of them ones that believes you can lose it. He said, well, what do you think about that? I said, if I believe what you believe, I'd live a lot better than you do. He don't really believe what he's saying. Amen. 
Not only does he believe everything I say, he does everything I tell him to do. Uh, you think about it. Uh, Abraham did exactly what God told him to do without question. And you and I are to be doers of the Word and not hearers only. Uh, I, you know, everybody I meet just about is a Christian now. Amen. If, if Joe Biden and Nancy Pelosi are Christians, I'm the Pope. Their words do not match their language. Do you understand? I, I'm saying today, uh, he believes that he does everything that I tell him to do. Hey, Christianity is not just something we put on on Sunday. It is what we are every day of the week. Amen. And so, I believe we're to do everything that He tells us to do. Amen. Well, I see a third thing God might have said about Abraham. He goes everywhere I send him. He goes everywhere I send him. Uh, Hebrews 11, 8, By faith, Abraham, when he was called to go out into a place which he should after, received for an inheritance, obeyed, and he went out not knowing whither he went. Uh, he said he looked for a city whose builder and maker was God. So, he goes everywhere I send him. I remember when the Lord, uh, I had a period of time when I got away from God and uh, got, I lived a wicked life, but I remember when I got right with God and God started dealing with me about preaching. I did eight years in purgatory in Indiana. I like to froze to death the whole time I was up there. Uh, I wasn't there by choice. I was there because my daddy was a pastor. Amen. When I graduated high school, I moved back south. And uh, when God started dealing with me about preaching, I said, Okay, Lord, I'll do exactly what you want me to do. I said, But please don't send me back up north. You know, a lot of times we will not submit to God submit to what He wants us to do because we're afraid He's going to send us to Africa. He don't want most of us to go to Africa. He just wants us to be willing to go to Africa. Amen. So He does everything that I tell Him to do. He goes everywhere I send Him. Hey, several years ago I got dog bit while I was out knocking doors. That kind of changed my perspective a little bit. Now, if I go to the house and I got a dog, they're in trouble because I'm not going. <laughs> I remember I went to this house and had a great big old dog, and the Lord said, "Go on in." I'm thinking, Lord, are you sure about this? That's a big dog. But if we go in the power of the Lord, everything will be all right. You'd be better to be in Africa in the will of God than here in the United States out of the will of God. Well, I see a second thing this morning. I see Job. How did God, or what would God have to say about Job? Well, I believe we have a good testimony of that in Job chapter number 1. So there was a man in the land of us whose name was Job, and, there was a perfect, and he was perfect and upright, and one that feared God and eschewed evil. A lot of people say Job's sin was self-righteousness. I don't believe that because God said of Job that he feared God. In fact, he held him up as an example to the devil. 
Hast thou considered my servant Job? How there is none like him? I think the Lord might have this to say about Job. He's the same no matter what. He loves me when things are good, and he loves me when things are bad. A lot of Christians are like a roller coaster. They're up one day and down the next. Amen. Hey, Job wasn't like that. Uh, he was perfect and upright. Uh, the Bible said in Psalms 37, 37, Mark the perfect man and behold the upright, for the end of that man is peace. He said in 2 Timothy 3, 16, all Scripture is given by inspiration of God and is possible for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness that the man of God may be perfect. Early thunderous unto all good works. I had a guy tell me one time that he hadn't sinned in seven years. I said, you just did. I said, you lied. <laughs> no, he, he said, I believe you can live above sin. I said, I do too if you live above a bar. Amen. I said, let's ask your wife what she thinks about you being perfect. If you've been married anyway, I, I, I was in a meeting the other day, this guy got up to preach. He said, I don't believe in women preachers. I said, you must not be married. <laughs> Amen. Hey, not only was he perfect and upright, he feared God. Hey, that's something in our day and time. I, I remember when lost people wouldn't mess around the house of God. Huh? Hey, I'm telling you, they had respect for God's house, even though they were lost. Hey, we didn't even lock our church buildings. Now, if you don't lock it, they'll steal everything that's not nailed down. Amen. Hey, they have no fear of God, but it's worse than that. Christian people have no fear of God. We coddle our sins and we come to church. Well, you know why we do that? Because we have no fear of God. We'll let COVID scare us to death, but we have no fear of God. You understand what I'm saying? Years ago, I was... Uh, pumping gas, and that was back when the motto, fear this, or no fear, was real big. And this boy pulled in in a pickup truck. He got out, and he had that big thing across the back window of his truck that said, fear this. So when he got out, he was about as big around as a pencil. If he just turned sideways and stuck his tongue out, he'd look like a zipper. So I started laughing. It just struck me funny. Well, he looked at me and said, what are you laughing at? I said, I'm laughing at you. <laughs> I said, am I supposed to be afraid of you? And then I started quoting him Bible verses about the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. Didn't take him long to pump $2 worth of gas. <laughs> hey, I'm talking about, you know, Solomon, the wisest man that ever lived, said that was the whole duty of man. That we're to fear God and keep His commandments. Well, then Job eschewed evil. He didn't go looking for trouble. I don't know about you, I don't have to look for trouble. I find enough without looking for it. I don't go to the beach and say, oh God, help me not to sin. Huh? I'm amazed at people. I saw a little girl out the other day. 
And she had a Bible verse tattooed right here. I said, what is your Bible verse that? She told me. I said, have you heard the one about not going out naked? <laughs> you remember when WWJD was real big? I in, in case you ain't figured out, I got a mean streak about that life. I was on the gas station waiting to pay for gas. A little girl had to put a running shorts on with a slit all the way up to the waistband. And she had just enough t-shirt that you could see those letters on the back of it. I said, hey, young lady. I said, what does your shirt stand for? She said, WWJD, what would Jesus do? But I can tell you what he wouldn't do. He wouldn't get out dressed like that. I thought, I ain't got enough clothes on to clean a 22 rifle. You don't go to a bar and say, Lord, help me not to drink. Amen. Let me just say this while I'm at it. Christians don't drink. Social or otherwise. Amen. Don't give me that mess about turning Jesus turning water into wine. You're showing your ignorance. Amen. I had a guy tell me that he said, well, says, don't be drunk. I said, well, let me ask you a question. I said, how many drinks does it take to be drunk? He said, well, I don't know. I said, well, could we stay ten? He said, yeah. I said, so if you drink one, you're one-tenth on your way to hell. I thought the object was to see how far we could stay away from it, not how close we could get to it. Amen. Hey, he is few evil. He was a man of integrity. Amen. Hey, when Satan took everything that he had, uh, and still he came back to the Lord, and he said, he still retains his integrity. You know, people don't have no integrity nowadays. People don't have character. I remember when uh, a man did business on his word and a handshake. But it ain't that way no more. Do you understand what I'm talking about? Hey, if we tell somebody something, we ought to do what we say. Amen. You parents, if you tell your kids something, you ought to do what you're going to tell them that you're going to do. Amen. He knows when to keep his mouth shut. I was reading my Bible the other day and found out there wasn't going to be no women in heaven for 30 minutes. Said they'd be silenced for the space of a half hour. Amen. <laughs> Brother Jason was laughing about that in his life. Went, <laughs> My daddy told me a long time ago, better keep your mouth shut and let everybody think you're a fool than open your mouth and prove it. Yeah, man. Knows when to keep his mouth shut. Hey, you cannot, you know, you can kill somebody without ever, ever firing a gun. You can assassinate them with your tongue. You understand? Hey, the Bible says that Job sinned not nor charged God foolishly. Amen. When his wife came and said, won't you curse God and die? He said, you speak as one of the foolish women. Hey, he, he knew when to keep his mouth shut. Amen. Hey, you and I would be a wonderful thing if we could learn. If you can't say anything good, don't say anything at all. Amen. Well, what man is he that desires life and loveth many days that he may see good? 
Keep thy tongue from evil and thy lips from speaking God. Proverbs 21, 23, Whosoever keepeth his mouth and his tongue keepeth his soul from trouble. 1 Peter 3, 10, For he that will love life and see good days, let him refrain his tongue from evil and his lips that they speak no God. Amen. Well, thirdly, I see David. Job was the same no matter what. He praised God when things were good. And when he lost everything, including his kids, he said, The Lord gave and the Lord hath taken away. Blessed be the name of the Lord. He was still worshiping God. David said, it said about David in Acts 13, 22. And when he had removed him, he raised, talking about Saul, he raised up unto them David to be their king, to whom also he gave testimony and said, I have found David, the son of Jesse, a man after my own heart, which fulfills all my will. Hey, what a testimony. A man after my own heart that fulfills all my will. Hey, often I get asked about the will of God. If you want to know the will of God for your life, start doing what you know to be the will of God. You don't have to pray about reading your Bible. Study to show thyself proved unto God, a word needs not to be seen, rightly dividing the word of truth. You don't have to pray about reading your Bible. You don't have to pray about praying. Men are always pray and not to faint, pray without ceasing. Why is it we wait till we get in trouble before we ever start praying? You understand? I don't want to have to catch up on my praying when I need God. Amen. You don't have to pray about hey, you don't have to pray about witnessing. If you're saved, go in all the world and preach the gospel to every creature. We're to be ready always to give every man a reason of the hope that is within us with meekness and fear. You never know when you're going to have opportunity. Years ago when I had hair, I was sitting in a barber shop waiting to get a haircut. About a dozen guys in there. By the way, I still get my hair cut, not done. I'm sitting in there waiting to get my hair cut. There's about a dozen men in there. There's two sitting right next to me talking about UFOs. One of them looks at me and says, what do you think about it? I said, I'm an alien. The barber got that guy's hair clean to the scalp. And then I quoted that verse, I'm an alien from the commonwealth of Israel, without God in this world, having no hope, but I've been washed, I've been redeemed, and I took off the preaching in the barbershop. Two things happened. Them that uh, didn't want to hear it got up and ran for the door, so I got my hair cut sooner. The others that wasn't willing to leave, but they were never coming to church, heard the gospel. Amen. You understand what I'm telling you? We ought to be ready always. We ought to fulfill. As you start doing what you know God's will is, He will reveal His perfect will for your life. Well, then he said this, he's a man after my own heart. He's a keeper of the sheep. You know, one thing that amazes me about this COVID, uh, there's people that claim to love the Lord, but they sure didn't get out of church real easy. Amen. We're not to forsake the assembly of ourselves together as man as some is, and so much the more as you see the day approaching. Let me just tell you how I feel about all of that. 
When the government wants separation of church and state, they want the church to stay out of the government. That is not what that meant. In fact, it's not in the Constitution. It's not in the Bill of Rights. It was in a letter. And it did not mean for the church to stay out of the government. It meant for the government to stay out of the church. It is none of their business whether we meet or whether we don't. Amen. And we are letting them take our freedoms from us and sitting by and doing nothing about it. I believe it was just a test run to see what they could get by with. Amen. He's a man after my own heart. He's a keeper of the sheep. I don't know about you, but I love God's people. Amen. I like being around where they're at. Well, his presence brought peace to Saul. Uh, is, is there somebody you know that you just like to be around them because it seems like they're always happy? They're always at peace? I called a preacher friend of mine. His boy got crushed under a dump truck. And I called him to be an encouragement to him. And I, the first thing I said to the preacher, how you doing? He said, better than I deserve. I called to be an encouragement to him. By the time I got off the phone, I was ready to charge hell with a squirt gun. Amen. You understand what I'm saying? Hey, and then there's other people. When you see them coming, you run the other way. Because you ask them how they feel. And before they get done, you wish you had never asked. Amen. His presence. I don't know about you, but the Lord, if you've got Him on the inside, you can have peace no matter what's going on in your life. Well, He was obedient to His Father. To obey is better than sacrifice. When I was pastoring, I had a young teenage girl come out one morning. She was young to me anyway. And I told her, I said, Jeff, I said, you know what your problem is? She said, what? I said, you're a witch. Her mom was standing right next to her. She was very offended. Not the mom of the girl. What do you mean, preacher? I'm a witch. I said, the Bible says rebellion is the sin of witchcraft. I said, you're the most rebellious teenager I've ever seen. Amen. Was obedient to his father. I don't know about you, but I want to do everything God tells me. He went when no one else would. Remember Goliath down there in the valley? Had Saul head and shoulders above everybody in Israel. Everybody scared to death. Little old David, just a stripling of a lad. Who, who is this uncircumcised Philistine that he should defy the armies of the living God? He said, I'll go down there and fight that joker. Amen. I like to say he popped him, dropped him, hopped him, and chopped him. Amen. Cut that dude's head off. Amen. He has with his own sword. Psalm 66, 18 says this, If I regard iniquity in my heart, the Lord will not hear me. Amen. Hey, I want to keep short accounts with God. Do you understand? Hey, we don't need to let it go. We need to keep it short with God. Amen. He said this in Psalms 119.10, With my whole heart have I sought thee, O let me not wander from thy commandments, Thy word have I hid in my heart that I might not sin against thee. Amen. Well, I see a third thing about David that God might say. He loves my word, my people, and my house. David wrote a number of the Psalms. Amen. Not only that, but David had it in his heart to build a house for the Lord. 
And because he was a bloody man, the Lord wouldn't let him. But I'll tell you what he did do. He got all the materials together so that his son could build a house for the Lord. Hey, I'll just tell you, brother, I'm addicted to church. I got to have it. Amen. One of my friends asked me, we went to Christian school together years ago. He asked me, he said, why do you go to church so much? I said, it takes a lot of preaching to keep me right. Amen. I love church. Do you understand? I, I took, we ought to come to the house of God expecting God to do great things. Amen. You never know what's going to happen when you show up at church. Amen. I went to church below. I could sit on a piece of cigarette paper and swing my feet. And you get to the house of God and they start singing the songs of Zion and your heart starts lifting up. Some saying that God testifies about what God's done for them. Amen. I love God's house. I, I, I had an accident several years ago and got busted up real bad. I didn't get to go to church for five months. And I was so depressed and discouraged. When I did get to I was on churches for 21 months. When I did get to where I'd go, I walked in and sat down right in the very back of our church. My pastor came back there and spoke to me and then told my wife, he don't need to be here. He said, he looks like death warmed over. Amen. But I've done stayed away from church as long as I could. Amen. Well, he loves my house. He loves my people. I heard a preacher's kid the other day running down the people of God. I said, hey, wait a minute. I said, it's God's people that's put food on your table, a roof over your head, and clothes on your back. Hey, we may have our faults and our failures, but God's people are still the best people in the world. Amen. It's kind of like this. I, I, I've been on some mission trips. I don't want to live anywhere but America. With all her faults and her failures, she is still the best country in the world. Amen. Well... Said this in Acts eleven thirty six. After David, after he had served his own generation by the will of God, fell on asleep and laid unto his fathers and saw corruption. I don't know about you, but I want to serve my generation. Amen. Well, I see a third thing this morning. I see our fourth thing this morning. Enoch. Hebrews eleven five says, "By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death." and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation, he had this testimony. Here's what God had to say. He pleases me. You understand? He pleases me. How did he please him? Well, he walked with him. Amen. He walked with God, and he was not, for God translated him. Hey, uh, on a daily basis, Enix walking with God. I believe one day God said, it's closer to my house than it is yours. Just go home with me. Amen. I, I, I love that old song that says, uh, He walks with me, and He talks with me, and He tells me I am His own. Amen. Hey, we ought to talk to Him. You know, I used to have a real problem with prayer until I figured out it's just talking to God like I'd talk to you. 
Uh, I used to think you had to pray 30 minutes or an hour uh, to do any good. No, I've learned you can pray a bunch of prayers real short. Amen. Same thing. You understand? He just wants us to talk to Him. Amen. He walked with God. He sought God. But without faith, Hebrews 11, 6, is an apostle to please God. For he that comes to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. When you are seeking Him, you can see Him in everything. I, 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 I haven't preached it yet, but uh, I've got a nephew that works for Chick-fil-A. I'm working on a message on why I want to pastor Chick-fil-A. Amen. See God, they're friendly. Amen. You understand? Uh, we can see God in everything. Amen. He walked with God. He sought God. He talked with God. Uh, he, Enoch said this in Jude, uh, verse number 14. Enoch also, the seventh from Adam, prophesied of thee, saying, Behold, the Lord cometh with ten thousand of his saints. Now, how did Enoch know that he was coming back with thousands of his saints? He knew because God told him. Amen. I don't know about you, but I believe God still talks to people today. Now, I don't believe it's audible, but I believe you can hear the voice of God if you're listening. I heard about these two little boys playing, and the mother came out and said, Johnny, come home. The other little boy said, your mama's calling you. He said, it ain't time yet. A few minutes went by. His mother came back out and said, a little louder, Johnny, come home. The little boy said, your mama's calling you. It ain't time yet. The third time she came out, she said, Jonathan Eric Smith, come home. He said, it's time if my mama ever used all three of my names, I was in trouble. You understand? I, I don't want God to have to shout at me for me to hear him. I want to be listening when he talks. Amen. Hey, I want him to whisper and me hear. Amen. I'm telling you, it's a wonderful, wonderful thing to have God talk to you. Me and Brother Jim went to eat last night. And I asked him this question. I said, Preacher, what is the greatest move of God that you have ever seen? And he started telling me about the Lord, how God had moved in, in two or three different situations. I'm telling you right now, it's a good thing we left that restaurant when we did, because I was getting ready to have me a shout and spell. I guarantee you I could have cleaned that place out. <laughs> But I'm talking about God being so real. I, I'm talking about Him just showing up. And, and, and you, there's been a few times I've been afraid to look around, afraid I'd see Him. Amen. Well, John the Baptist. Here's what said in Matthew chapter number 11 and verse number 10. For this is He is whom it is written, Behold, I send my messenger before thy face, which shall prepare the way before thee, Here's what Jesus, uh, God had to say about him. Verily I say unto you, among them that are born of women, there hath not risen a greater than John the Baptist. Hey, what was so great about John that God said this? Well, he pointed the way to Jesus. I'm, I'm about sick to death of people telling me what they do. I did this. Preachers are real bad about it. I did this. I did that. Hey, we're not to be trying to point to us. We're supposed to be pointing to Him. Amen. 
Spurgeon had these words on his pulpit, sir, we would see Jesus. Amen. We need to remember our life. What does the Bible say? Uh, let your light so shine before men that they may what? See your good words and do what? Glorify your Father which is in heaven. That's something else I'm about to add here. Well, God looks on the heart. That is right. But we're living in a world that looks on the outside. Amen. So if you're going to name the name Christian, you ought to live like a Christian. Amen. Well, he prepared the way for Jesus. He said this in 2 Timothy 2.21. If a man therefore purge himself from these, he shall be a vessel unto honor, sanctified, and meet for the master's use, and prepared unto every good work. He, not only did he point to Jesus, he praised Jesus. John's down there baptizing, sees Jesus coming. He points and says, Behold, the Lamb of God, John 1, that taketh away the sin of the world. How long has it been since you thank God for anything? We pray, God answers prayer, we don't even thank Him. I don't know about you, but I believe if you've got something big as the Holy Spirit living inside of you, that you're going to praise the Lord. It may run out your eyes, it may come out your arm, it may come out your mouth, but you're going to praise the Lord. I, I, I have been known to run a lap around the building. Not anymore, I'm too old and fat. He pointed to Jesus. What did he say in John chapter number 3? He must increase, and I must decrease. It's, it's about him, do you understand? Not a greater born of woman than John the Baptist. Well, I see a sixth thing this morning. I see the centurion that came to Jesus. Matthew chapter number 8, verse number 8. The centurion answered and said, Lord, I am not worthy that thou shouldst come under my roof, but speak the word only, and my servant shall be healed. For I am a man under authority, having soldiers under me, and I say to this man, Go, and he goeth, and to another come, and he cometh, and to my servant, Do this, and he doeth it. And when Jesus heard it, he marveled, and he said unto them that followed, Verily I say unto you, I have not found so great faith, no, not in all of Israel. Would to God that it would be said of us that we have faith. I've heard about this preacher that the only property the church had was a hill behind the church, and the people had been parking along the sides of the road, and the police came out and told them they couldn't do this that anymore. They were going to start writing tickets. So the pastor told his men, he said, we're going to get together every day and we're going to claim that verse, if thou say to this mountain, be thou removed into the sea, it shall be done. He said, we're going to meet together and pray every day until God does something. Two weeks they did that. On Monday morning of the third week, the guy from AT&T showed up at the church, knocked on the door, the pastor was there, he said, uh, told who he was, said, I'm with at and said, we're working down the road here, and said, we've got a holler. Do y'all know what a holler is down here? Big hole. He said, we've got a holler that we need to fill down here. 
And we've determined that your heel is about the size of our hole. And we was wondering if we could buy your heel to fill our hole. God not only moved the mountain, He paved the parking lot. Amen. He had humility. He came to the Lord and told Him, I am not worthy. Amen. You know, God says, the Bible says in James 4, He giveth more grace. But God resists the proud, and He giveth grace to the humble. Submit yourselves, therefore, unto God. I, I believe, you know, for years I preached it wrong. I preached surrender, 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 surrender. That's not right. You know what surrender means? Sur- surrender means I yield to your authority because I have to. Submission means I come under your authority because I want to. Now, let me give you an example. The South surrendered to the North, but we never submit. His yielding. Hey, whoever, you know, the Bible says, neither yield ye your members as instruments of unrighteousness unto sin, but yield yourselves unto God as those that are alive from the dead and your members as instruments of righteousness unto God. Hey, not only did he uh, do what God wanted, he came to God and, and in humility, but he yielded himself to God. He said, Lord, you don't even have to come to my house. We see that in verse number nine. He said, I'm a man under authority. He said, I tell this one to go, and he goes, this one to come, and he comes. He said, you don't even have to come. Just give the word, and it'll be done. Man, you're talking about faith, friend. He had some faith. His humility, his yielding, his faith. You know, Paul was taking that church over there in the book of Romans. He said, I thank my God that your faith is spoken of throughout the whole world. What the God that we had that kind of faith? That we trust God. Here's what he said in Galatians 2.20. I am crucified with Christ, nevertheless I live, not uh, yet not I, but Christ liveth in me, and in the life I now live in the flesh, I live by the faith of the Son of God, who loved me and gave himself for me. It's one thing to talk about living by faith. It's a whole other thing when you have to start living by faith. I was off five months last year because of this COVID. Do I look like I've missed any meals? They told me when I went into evangelism, Lord Jason, that I would starve to death. I weighed 180 pounds now. I weighed 200 and none of your business now. Amen. Let me give you one last one this morning. I'm talking about how would God introduce you. You see that woman with an alabaster box. Mark chapter number 14, verse number 6. Jesus said, let her alone. Why trouble ye her? She hath brought a good work on me. For the poor, uh, for you have the poor with you always, and whensoever you will, you may do them good. But me you have not always. And then here's what he had to say. She hath done what she could. You say, well, preacher, I can't preach. Preacher, I can't. Everybody can do something for God. Two ladies that had a profound impact on my life 
were two elderly ladies that went to our church in Indiana. I cut their grass when I was a teenager to make money. I always hated going up to get paid. You know why? Because they, before they gave me my money, they was going to put their hand on me and start talking to God. And I don't mean, I'm talking about talking to God, friend. I'm not talking about some short prayer. I'm talking about them getting a hold of the Lord and telling God what they wanted for my life. And I have never forgot them. I still remember them to this day. Do you understand what I'm telling you? They had a profound influence upon my life. And it's been over 2,000 years, and we are still preaching and teaching and talking about that woman today. What a testimony. Everything you have in your life is given to you for two reasons. It's given to you to either worship with or to minister with. Did you hear what I said? I wonder this morning, you know, one of these days, the Bible says we're going to stand before God. In the book of Hebrews, it says us as preachers that we watch for the flock as ones that must give what? An account for their soul. I wonder if God was to come up and ask Brother Tim about you this morning. Well, God, you know, Brother Jason's a thorn in my flesh. God, you know he fights me everything I do. God, you know he's always causing trouble in the church. Huh? I'll tell you one I've seen many times. Your kids grow up and they get to be teenagers and you want the preacher to come help you with them and the preacher can't get anywhere. You know why? Because you've had roast preacher for lunch on the way home. You better be careful about putting your mouth on the man of God. You better be careful about putting your mouth on the house of God. You understand what I'm telling you this morning? Brother Jim, I, I, I don't know Brother Tim very well, but Brother Jim was telling me about Tim. He, he's, he's real proud of it. In case you didn't figure that out. He's telling about what kind of preaching he was. He said, there's just one thing that bothers me a little bit. He's too smart for his own good. <laughs> but do you understand, even though I never really fellowshiped with Brother Tim in, I still felt like I know him because of what his father had to say about him. What did God have to say about you? It's going to happen one of these days. When you stand before him, he's going to say, well done. Well done. Is he going to look at you and say, Depart from me? How's God going to introduce you to his I'm telling you, I don't want to have a bad introduction. I want people to say, that he knew the Lord. And I want God to say when I get I'm glad you're home. Welcome home. Enter thou into the joy of the Lord. 